0: Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Uh, good man, how are you? I'm doing good. Good, good to hear from you. So, uh, did I ever tell you guys about the time I farted in a packed elevator? No, <laughs> it was wrong on so many levels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's much better. <laughs> that's that's a bit. I'm I'm hesitant to use the word better with that joke, but it was better than the last one.
0: Okay, it's good. Than the last good. one. <laughs> well, hopefully, our, our our audience will enjoy it as well. Welcome to the Never Going Pro podcast by Dads Inside Riding Trainers featuring GC Coaching. It's a podcast about riding bikes and parenthood and trying really, really hard at both. I am your host, Ken the Badger Nowell, and with me is Shane Gaffney, owner of GC Coaching. Hey, guys. And Chris Gorney, fellow dirt teammate, passionate cyclist, and outstanding dad. How's it going? So let's take a few minutes to catch up with everybody. Uh, Chris, how's your week, man?
1: Uh, exhausting. I spent a week and a half on jury duty, and then flew out <laughs> to uh, California for work for three days, and then got home late last night. So um, I'm exhausted. Although when I was out there, a friend of mine let me borrow a a couple year old Pinarello to go on a ride, and uh, I had a lot of fun test riding a bike I've never ridden before. Never ridden Pinarello before. Did it feel really plush? Uh, honestly, it was terrible. Was it? Wow. Yeah, it was uh it was loose. I don't know how to say that other than the huh. bike felt really loose and it didn't feel responsive. It wasn't very stiff. It was an all carbon bike, but it was I felt like it just flexed so much.
2: Hmm. So So, you know. Yeah, those are really expensive frames, really expensive uh, company too. Wow, well, surprised it felt that way.
1: Yeah, well, maybe it was me. Uh,
0: right, I wonder heart. if I wonder if it was maybe the wheels perhaps.
1: Who knows. Well, it could have been that I also didn't adjust the bike fit for the first twenty miles. I just got on it and started riding. Wow, there you go. So that could definitely that, be. That might part have been it. half the problem, but uh, you know. So adjust your bikes before you ride. Lesson of the day. So you've made it back home to your own rig. I'm home. I'm going to go on a bike ride right after this, actually.
0: Fantastic, cool. Well, I had a good week. I had a vacation in the Outer Banks in North Carolina got to ride every day, also put on a couple of pounds and, you know, just, uh, had fun <laughs> and, you know, hung out with my wife and my kid and, and my, uh, in-laws. So that was a really good time. And, uh, the, but, but I hurt my back. So that has kind of sucked. Like, um, how'd you, think, how'd you hurt it? Well, so I think it was a couple of things. I did a little bit of kettlebell work down there and I haven't done anything core or stability work in months. And then, um, I was in the drop bars on my road bike and since I'm always on Zwift on the thing I never use the drop bars and so I felt my back a little bit tight towards the end of the week and I got out of the truck yesterday after a four-hour drive and picked up a heavy cooler out of the bed and that just did it in so yeah yeah my
2: back is is out of sorts and maybe Shane has some advice on that usually what I see is an issue with the hamstring shortening so Especially if you're getting out of a truck after four hours, because your knees tend to be bent for that four-hour time, which makes the hamstring muscles in a shortened position. And then if you combine that with riding the drops, which then elongates hamstring muscles and makes them work a little bit differently, that can spell disaster for your back. So, I would think more hamstring stretching and maybe some foam rolling, see if that makes it feel any better.
1: Well, if I know anything about Ken, it's that, you know, he's always had really tight hamstrings. Just... hmm it's the, only, it's the only important thing I know about Ken.
0: Yeah, the the hamstrings are tight, and I <laughs> am absolutely terrible about doing anything <laughs> stretching. Like I have limited amount of time to train, and so I spend every possible moment that I have on the bike. Which I know that's a
1: mistake, but um,
0: you know, you know at this time I, we-
1: I have uh hamstring issues way more on Zwift than I do on my bike out on the road, and the fit is the same, and I've never figured it out. But it's when I ride the trainer. It's just, it must be just because I'm sitting different or my weight's just a little bit different, but I've, if I'm, you know, during the summer season when I'm out on the road, I have no back problems, no hamstring problems, no injury problems. And I simply put my bike on a trainer and all of a sudden, like, you know, if I ride too hard a couple of days in a row, my hamstring start hurting. It's a strange thing.
2: That's, I think, from glutes, not inactivity, but just decreased glute activity on the trainer than on the road. I can, um, I'll link the article I'm talking about in the show notes, but this is really good thesis that somebody did for a college, I think it was a college PhD, but he combined the muscle activity from outdoor riding to indoor riding. And the only difference he found was that the glute activity was a lot less on the trainer than it was outdoors, which can contribute to increased hamstring engagement because The muscles have to produce the power so if the glutes are working less the hamstrings and quads have to work harder to produce that power is it
0: just because you're locked in one position on the trainer and we tend
2: not to stand up very much and we're not going around turns that's a good question the study didn't really go into the why it just kind of went into what the findings were but i think (laughs) you know i really
1: i really appreciate studies (laughs) like that we found this (laughs) we don't know why it's happening and it's not really helpful but hey we agree. Your hamstrings are hurting. Thank you.
2: <laughs> I'll take my PhD now and I'll be out the door. No, but I think the issue is that the the trainer does keep your body in a fixed position. So, you're not having to keep the bike pointed straight down the road. So, you're using the stabilizing muscles and the hip abductor muscles a little bit differently. And that can decrease the glute engagement. So, but hey, again, a, I can't prove that by science.
1: There's a new uh, trainer out there by B-Cool, B-K-O-O-L i think they had some troubles getting it to market but it's um they've increased they've inserted some sort of like left right pivot action into the trainer and so it's your bike's almost kind of suspended uh from the back and apparently it's supposed to mimic like on the ride on the road riding more so for a virtual trainer
2: huh yeah interesting i've never tried it. i've seen that with uh I've seen that with Kirk Kinetic. Kirk Kinetic has that rock and roll trainer. Oh. And then um, the rocker plate is another big one too, that people are making with just tennis balls and mounting the trainer onto to get that left and right back and forth motion. Chad McNeese has a really good video on the Swift insider website about, he made one just out of, I think pieces of plywood and then I think three or four tennis balls. And it's pretty simple to make because some of the ones that are like, there are a few hundred bucks to actually buy one.
1: I've, and I don't know. This is probably me being cynical, but what? Who is it? Is it Wahoo who's got the, the bit that's supposed to uh, mimic incline and decline? Yeah, that's Wahoo. That's the climb. I mean, I'm sure I would love it if somebody gave me one. But I mean, you're on a trainer. I mean, like that. Anyway, we could probably do a whole episode on people going crazy with their Zwift cave. Like there, oh my seen god, some yeah. crazy videos that people gotten really. You know, it's almost like a VR room.
0: Well, and I think as it becomes a, as WIFT and other indoor training platforms become a sport, you're just going to see more and more of that where it's not the thing to do in lieu of riding outside. It's just the thing that you're doing for, for the sake of mm-hmm. doing
2: that. So Shane, what's up with you? What have you been up to? Uh, been up to same same thing, going on vacations here and there, a couple of long weekends, went to the beach last weekend. thought it was really cool, the fam. And then um, I finished up all my work for the Zwift Academy and now I'm just kind of enjoying people's responses to it and answering questions and stuff when I can, which has been really fun to see. People are really sure. So this year. For
0: our, for our audience out there, may, many of you may not know that um, Shane does work for Zwift. Uh, he's written some of their training programs, but you also had quite a bit
2: of a hand in Zwift Academy. Tell us about your involvement with it. Yeah. So my involvement with that was the um messaging component. So the, the other coaches designed the workouts and I came in and kind of overhauled the messaging component. So all the typos and the misspelled and, and all that stuff is all for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when I when I get
2: that encouraging like you can get you can do it. You're almost there.
1: I can just like That's mentally me. curse you. Shut you
3: gotta, the shut the yeah. hell
1: up, hey, shut the hell up, Shane. That's what I'm gonna be
2: thinking That's the right. whole time. It, good. You can blame me for all that. Right.
1: And, and
0: so I did, uh, I think workout number two, which was a race simulation. Um, and that was tough. I barely made it through. There were three times during that workout that I thought I was going to quit, but it seems to me like any sort of well-designed workout, which is based on your FTP is going to make you feel like you can't finish it at
2: least a few times, but you can, if you just stick with it. And that's where, like, I try to time those motivational messages at certain points, where I kind of know that the athlete is going to feel like they're really struggling and want to give up. I'll kind of plug in and a motivational um, messaging at that point, just hopefully give them a little bit more motivation to keep going. Well,
0: so I have another question: How many of you were on the Zwift Academy design team, or or whatever
2: you would call it, the the specialty team? So, um, one coach, Kevin Poulton, he designed the, uh, power duration curve measurement tests. So the 22nd and the five minute and the one minute power duration. And then another coach, uh, Elliot Lipsky, he designed the, uh, like race simulation workouts and the more kind of fun and loose workouts. And then I was involved with all of them in terms of the messaging, but I didn't do any of the actual workout creation or workout design. I just came in and did The messaging component of it.
0: Very cool. Very cool, man. It's really cool to have a Zwift Insider uh, uh, with us on this podcast. Um, And so, yeah, with that, so we got some cool topics for this week and I wanted to go ahead and uh, go over with them with our audience really quick. The first topic is motivation and discipline. Topic number two is some practical tips and tricks for making ride time for yourself. And then topic number three, we have a focus question. Why can't I get close to my max heart rate while training or cycling. And so with that, um let's talk a little bit about motivation and discipline. So in my take on this, and I did a a YouTube video for for us and a uh article, and it was that motivation is good for your startup energy to get started on something, but discipline is going to be that thing that carries you for the long haul um because motivation can be very fleeting. And I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about those things and how it's played out for you.
1: Well, Shane, you had a couple interesting articles you posted when we were kind of preparing for it today that
2: uh, uh, seemed to describe a good difference between motivation and discipline, right? The article that I was referring to was the the central governor theory, which isn't so much about motivation and discipline, but it kind of goes into the play of how hard can you actually push in a workout? And is it you that's pushing your body that hard, or is it your brain that's allowing you to push yourself that hard? So some coaches think that the motivation and the discipline comes from a purely internal, or some coaches believe that it's purely external. Hmm. So I'm kind of a little bit of both, where I think you have to have some internal discipline and motivation to get up in the morning and get on the bike. So with that, did they
0: talk about external External goals, like so, for me, I've always tried to have a um event that I'm preparing for that keeps me motivated.
2: I would agree. So I think you know the first thing for any athlete is to have a goal because that's gonna keep you motivated and ideally progressing towards it. So that can be like you said, an event. It could be a charity event. It could be a race. It could be you want to get an FTP number or time or. Duration. It all depends on what you want to do for that week or that month.
0: And so, so Chris, what, what are some of your, um, what are some of the things that keep you
1: motivated or, uh, how does, how does that sort of a- affect you? Uh, that was my awkward silence there is cause I'm trying to, I was like, man, what does motivate me? Man, I don't think, I don't think I have a goal <laughs> right now.
2: Well, your goal right now is just to smash KOMs. That's true. I was
1: texting you that the, the, the other day. Uh, there's, uh, back here in Kansas City, there's these two guys who are like, semi pros or pros who were one of the guys clearly just like came through our city for like a week and just was on Strava and decided to go own everything and then the other guy I think lived here for a little while and um I uh, was coming off of a hard training season where I was just really really strong you know a couple months ago and so I decided I was going to go you know recapture KOMs for the uh, honor of my city and so I've been <laughs> I've been doing a little bit of KOM hunting and Really reveling every time I get one in front of these guys, and I know that they're getting an email that says you've been dethroned. And <laughs> that, that, like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, su- I'm sure, they don't care, but i've I've made my I've made my little nemesis um, hasn't made the group I ride with as happy, uh, but uh, it's fun. So that's that's kind of my motivation right now. Um, coming out of a hard training season without any like races coming up, but I'm now actually beginning to think. Like, you know, what, what's it look like to do, you know, let's say starting in October here, another month and a half, what's like a winter training plan look like? And what do I want to start working towards coming out of the winter? So that's kind of a fun thing. Discipline's a little harder for me. I actually first think of discipline in terms of family, you know, like what's it look like for me to be a good dad and be disciplined in uh, communicating with my wife and scheduling things so that. It's not just getting up early, but it's, you know, sometimes there's race, race times that are in the middle of the day or something. And I actually find that a a less or a seldom talked about discipline is communication, like with family. You know, if we're saying parents and being a parent and being a family is more important biking than being disciplined to like schedule things and not burn your family down. Um, it's actually a r- really hard discipline.
0: You said your wife is really active too. And so you, you, have mentioned that it's like high-fiving on the front porch as you both, you know, one's coming back from an activity and the other's heading out. And uh-huh. I, I, that really yep. struck me as being true for, you know, my wife and my wife and me as well.
1: Now, I was going to say that's, it, it's been a rhythm, you know, when we first started dating, Little we went on a lot of runs. Actually the morning of our wedding, we went on a 10, we did a 10 K race together, um, and, uh, we were going to run a half marathon that morning, but everyone complained so much. Like they thought we were, I don't know if they, I don't know, I don't know what they thought was going to happen. You know, like, I don't know if they thought we were going to like have heat stroke or get hit by a truck or something. I don't know. So we shortened it. And ever since then, like we've, we've really, uh, made it important. And so there, you know, it's, it's, actually not a joke. Like I'd say three or four days a week, uh, we high five on the front porch and, um, cause our daughter's still sleeping. And so all Uh, I'll come home and she'll be sitting on the front porch with a bottle of water and then kind of say, hey, good morning. See ya." And then she'll go for a run and I'll go inside and make coffee.
0: That sounds good. Um, And so, we also, we're going to talk about tips and tricks for making ride time. And so, I, I got some that I'd like to share. Yeah. For me... Deciding, I don't ever really decide to work out. It's just something that I do, like waking up and going to work or feeding myself exercise is just something that's on the schedule, and I don't really think of it as an option anymore. It's been so many years. But there's a few things that I do every single night to prepare. Um, I set a bedtime alarm so when that thing goes off at 840 at night, I know that it's time to brush my teeth, to uh, put – put down any screen time I have going on and get ready to bed, Get ready for bed. Otherwise, there's no way I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, I lay out my kit. I lay out my socks. I put water bottles on my bike and then I get a banana ready and I get coffee set up. So, I don't think very clearly in the morning. And if I didn't have that discipline, if I didn't have those habits and was trying to think about what are the things that I need to do in order to be on the bike by 5.30, I'd never be able to do it. So those are the tips and tricks that I have for making sure that um, I, I'm getting in my ride time.
2: Um, Shane, I know you've got some tips for us. Yeah, I have basically the same thing as you do, which is just planning everything ahead of time and ideally the night before if you're going to be riding early in the morning. So I really don't have much to add to that. Um, aside from maybe just making sure that Zwift is up to date because I've had some oh, issues God. in the past where people were going to bed and Zwift did an update that night before or whatever and then they missed their group ride start time or whatever so that's the only thing I can add to that just make sure that you have Zwift up to date before the ride hey I when I was living out in California like you you guys know a couple
1: months ago the house we were renting uh, the Wi-Fi there was so bad like it'd be fine if you're on your phone or whatever but then I'd get on and all of a sudden it'd be a Zwift update and it was just like I'm not, not even kidding. It pretty much canceled my ride. This, yeah. the, the Wi-Fi was so bad. Bi- I mean, it probably took 30 minutes to update. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm done that. But that happened to me like three times out there. So you're not kidding. That's like, that's a great tip. Yeah, definitely. What about you Chris for me? Um, I actually, you know, I don't know, I want to be a, uh, kind of just continue to beat the same drum, but for me, it's uh prep in the sense of not even I'm just like, <laughs> It's a, okay, this is gonna be a little too vulnerable, but I will routinely find like underwear in random places in our house because, uh, we have a two story house and, um, our daughter's bedroom is right above the front door. And so basically my goal is to get up and out of the house as quiet as possible without waking up my wife or daughter. So, which means I will take all of my stuff and put it in the kitchen, like on the kitchen floor, um, the night before, if I'm going to ride, either going outside or getting on the trainer, and so inevitably I'll be like cooking dinner or something the next night. And I'll be like, "Who the hell? Who's underwear is in the kitchen?" Oh, that's my, because <laughs> <delivery. laughs> I'll just walk downstairs. <laughs> and I mean, it's like people are coming over, and I mean, I, I mean, I'd say that's like two or three times a week. So I apparently have enough discipline to plan that, but not enough discipline to put my clothes in the hamper. So I got to ask.
2: Actually, very <laughs> brief.
1: Oh, I I'm a uh, I'm a, I'm a brief guy. I like the snugness. What can I say? Also, many a time, just ridden to work and then done the kit under the jeans all day long. Are you serious? Um, which, which really? I That's have to. say. <laughs> 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 yeah, it it is. I it is. Uh, uh, not to continue oh, to talk about what kind of underwear I wear all the time, but it is both. It is both gross. At the end of the day, yeah. I've also gone the other way where I've biked to work. And I remembered all my work clothes except underwear. Um, and then you have the then you have the dual choice of do I wear dirty kit all day or do mm-hmm. I just go commando. So um, that is
0: just commando. commando. Um, yeah, that's, that's my vote.
1: That's me hoping that no one it's me hoping no one from my office has. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> um well
0: one one of the comments, we, we sort of put this out there on the the dirt zwift page, and we had a guy, Corey. He asked, he's like How do you deal with getting yourself out of bed? I'm a morning person for the most part, and I can set my alarm for 4 a.m. to hit the road, but he struggles getting on the trainer. And so this brings me to another tip that I had. If you are struggling to get on the trainer and find it interesting, then you need to make it more interesting. And we had a comment from Jason Stern, our founder. He said, find the fun, find events, find races and find friends. The only way this will work for you long-term is if you are having fun. And I have definitely found that to be the case. And one of the uh, the best places on the Zwift universe is the Dads Inside Riding Trainer Discord page. Those guys are on there all day. I don't even think they have jobs. They're just typing all day, making wisecracks. And then in the <laughs> morning time, it is just a, 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 the radio cackle. Um, there's the, a radio chat for every single group and every single event that we do. And it's super fun. And once we get into race mode and we've got that, um, audio going and the team chat going, I swear I can't, I don't even remember that I'm on a trainer. I mean, I I might as well be on some single track or, uh, hitting the, hitting the roads outside of town. It feels the exact same. It fools my brain. I don't
1: know. I'm not me. I, I remember I'm on a trainer. I'm, I'm the ant, I'm the antithesis. I love it. I, I love it. I want
0: to get you doing more Zwift races this winter and, um, we'll throw down together and I and I promise you, you.
1: Well, I mean, I was, I was getting up to race East coast races last, last, uh, winter. And that just, I think that just burned me out. Uh, cause I was getting up at, you know, I was getting up at like 4am to ride with those guys cause I wanted to help and I
0: just <laughs> yeah. wanted to die. It was so, it it is a concentration of population on the, on the, on the East coast. And so we're trying to develop more events for, um, central time. Uh, but it's just a little bit, it it is getting better. better. It is getting better, but I expect Zwift will grow quite a bit this winter.
1: I think I complained enough to Jason that at one point he was texting me saying, Hey man, like what time can you ride in the morning? And he was, I think scheduling races so that I was like, just not complaining about getting up at 4 a.m. anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So those are some of our practical tips and trip tricks and motivation and discipline discussion. And we have a focus question. Why can't I get close to my max heart rate while training slash cycling? So let's, let's put our, our scientist on the line.
2: So the big issue is finding what the max heart rate is. So the two main calculators are the Fox and the Tanaka. So, Fox is from 1968. That's the old 220 minus your age, which I'm sure everybody has heard about. And then Tanaka is 2001. And he says 208 minus 0.7 times your age. And I'm going to link all this stuff in the show notes, too. So the issue is the there's a study by Sarzynski in 2014. And they compared the Fox and the Tanaka as well as gave just a little bit of a a, a error tracking too. So they found a 12.4 beat per minute error on average for the 220 minus your age. And they found an 11.4 error for the 208 times 0.7 times your age. So both are off by about 10 to 12 beats per minute in terms of max heart rate. And the other issue is, you know, how do you actually find your max heart rate? Because the only way I know of is if somebody holds you at gunpoint.
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, I actually think so. I've been watching, kind of thinking about this question for the last couple of weeks. I've been watching trying to figure out my max heart rate and um, kind of just like you know when does it peak? And I swear that there's been a couple times that I've had a like a really high heart rate, and I'm like looking back over my ride and. I'm like, man, I don't remember working that hard. And then I remember there was a time where like a car almost hit us or something. Mm. And I'm like, I think that was it. I'm not even kidding. Like, I think that there was like something scary happened and it like shot my heart rate up. Because right. I was just terrified.
0: Yeah, well, you don't want to keep your kid on under your clothes after days like that. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah different, different issue. <laughs> definitely, definitely commando yeah, days no on those kid, days. Man. Um so What is there, is there a method for determining that max heart rate? Because I think what he was saying was he was doing like a 20 minute power test and he would Mm -hmm. hit, uh,
2: like a threshold heart rate, but certainly he could push it higher somehow. Right. So I guess that's the, that's my point here is that knowing what your max heart is, is kind of useless and it's really useless if you're trying to base training and prescribing training off of when you have access to a power meter. Hmm. Um, so I just wouldn't use it honestly I would use power whenever you have it Mm -hmm. and then if you have a if you have an ability to do an actual threshold test which is typically the 20 minute version you can take what your average heart rate is over that 20 minutes Mm -hmm. after you see that initial ramp up so it's usually heart rate will ramp up for about two to three minutes and then it'll stabilize and slowly trickle up after that after you get that initial two to three minute ramp up then you see that trickle up. That's the the point that you want to highlight, and that should be around what your average and threshold heart rate is. So it's usually seventeen minutes out of that twenty minute test. Got it. And then I would base your power. Sorry, I would base your training prescriptions off of that, or ideally just based off of what your functional threshold power is. If you have.
1: See, I'm so grateful to hear that because, like, I've I've read with some guys who. Have I mean, there's one guy I ride with who's probably 35, and by God, he gets his heart rate to like 202, 204 every ride, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm impressed by that or if I'm like afraid he's about to have a heart attack. Yeah. Like, and and when I see that, and I know a couple guys like that, and I know another guy who's in great shape, and I'm faster than him, and his heart rate is always on average 20 beats faster than me. And he's not out of shape; like he's trained, but he's just his is just different. And so I've kind of come to the personal observation, observational conclusion that like that max heart rate is just crap because everybody's like, there's like a huge genetic difference. It seems, even even just among people who are trained. Yeah, I mean, what's your threshold heart rate? Oh, threshold. Oh, my threshold heart rate is probably one fifty-five to one sixty. Okay, what's yours, Ken? If
0: I'm really getting after it, maybe maybe 165. Like if I'm racing, yeah. And, and when I'm racing, it's higher. I think there's some nerves going on there, some nervousness.
1: Well, wait, sure. are you, Shane? Are you asking like where, where's your like like when you go from like zone three to zone four? What's that heart rate? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. So like if you were at your FTP or your estimated FTP, what would your heart rate be around? Like what number? Okay. Is that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. one sixty five. Yeah. One sixty five. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, I'm at like 180 to 182. Okay. And I'm the same age as Chris is because I'm 33 and Chris is, how old are you, Chris? You're 32? Thir-
1: 33.
2: 33. Yeah. So, that's kind of like a huge thing there. with Me and Chris are the same age and we have a 25 beat per minute difference in threshold heart rate.
0: Well, and one thing that is true is I started using a heart rate monitor at around the age of 30. And that was, you know, 14 years ago. And I cannot get it up to 180 anymore. I haven't seen 180 in years where I used to regularly see it on every single ride back then.
2: Yeah, so the heart rate is really, I think, a, an output of the training, but it's not really an input. What that means is like sure. the input is the actual work being done based off power. And then heart rate is the output of that work being done. Well, so here's a question, Shane.
1: What's your FTP right now?
2: Right now, it's low. It's only 235, 240.
1: See, that's what's interesting is um, mine would be, I mean, I haven't done a test for a little while, but it was like 290 something. Mm -hmm. You know, I was right around 300. Mm -hmm. And my threshold's 20 beats lower than yours. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just to me, that's like, that's just so crazy. Right. But, you know, you can that that's what you can ride side by side with a guy pedal for pedal and the heart rate data be just wildly different. I, just, exactly. I mean, I've, I, that's why I'm such a huge fan of perceived effort, because that way you can actually...
0: I do it. have a question for you, because I'm assuming there's a lot of mountain bikers in the audience, and, and most of us have not invested in a power meter. So what about um, using a uh, uh, estimator for training stress for outdoor mountain bike rides? I mean, you know, certainly there has to be some
2: value in that absolutely yeah and like chris was saying just using rpe is okay. great because if, if you've been racing or riding long enough you can basically know just off of feel where you're working at you know it's almost like when you you're driving a car at 40 miles an hour for a decade you know how fast <laughs> <laughs> an hour feels. In a car. yeah i guess you Same got a thing. good point you know what zone, three, zone four zone five you know what that feels like just based off of experience so rpe is great especially for racing where You don't have time to look at your computer every three seconds to make sure you're in the right zone or whatever. And if you're also at the whim of a peloton, you really can't have control. You have to just go with the moves. So RP is great, I think. I'll tell you the the most helpful thing I've ever done for a long
1: period of time training. and I didn't know I was doing it on purpose uh, at the time, but um, back in the day when I was uh, single and I was competing in triathlons, I really stopped enjoying riding bikes and running. Because I was using heart rate monitors and I was cadence, I was just tracking. It. I was just hyper tracking the data, and I just started hating it. So I decided to just pull everything but a watch off my bike. No heart rate, nothing. I just had. I literally start, started just like. A, a, so I had an old Timex watch, and I just started a clock. And I knew I needed to ride for you know three hours, and I needed to do a certain amount of it. And I started just going by uh, perceived effort and like why well, this ride needs to feel like an eight to nine for an hour or whatever. And, um, it was the most helpful thing I've ever done because not only did I start riding and having fun, and I'm back to using tech and stuff. I have all that on my bike, but, um, it, it helped me like listen to my body, uh, more than I was. Cause I, I mean, I was relying on tech rather than listening to how my body felt and that like year period where I just kind of learned to listen. I it just made all the difference. And now I can, it's like, it's like you said, like I know what quote unquote 40 miles feels like 40 miles an hour. feels right. like,
2: exactly. um,
1: but I also, you know, I, I, am not so sure it's not a good idea to go out and ride without tech for a while. And just, you know, even a once or twice a week and just really feel what your body feels like.
0: Yeah. Flip your, you know, throw your, throw your, um, throw your bike computer in your back pocket and, and just go and have fun. I've seen people mount it upside down on their bars so there's certain mm-hmm. things that you can get your information uh, but yet you're not focused on it and it's not taken away from your experience
2: for sure yeah this is i think we're drawing this a little bit too but there's this thing called no garmin no rules it's this website and this these people just sell stickers which is an old garmin head unit and it says no garmin no rules on it so i will literally give my athletes those types of rides where just I'll just say the same thing. Put your computer in your back pocket and have a no garment, no rules kind of a ride because yeah. you need it. Mm. For overall balance, and I think just for mental health. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that.
0: Well, thanks for getting into the science behind that heart rate uh, training. Um, I think that's really, really useful uh, information to know. I also wanted to... Uh, introduce to you guys a a dude named Ed Zook. He is one of our uh, Dirt teammates. And Ed's got a really interesting story. Um, He's he's figured out a creative way to use the Zwift platform to stay motivated. And at this time, Zwift does not support group workouts uh, in their meetup feature yet. So in other words, if you and I wanted to do uh, the same workout, we're going to have to work around it because meetups can't do it. And so, Ed and his training partner, partner Nat, realize they're very close in ability, so they start their workouts at the same time. And it's uh, because of the drafting dynamics, they're able to stay together throughout any course that they ride on, which I think is really cool. So, here is the interview with Ed. Enjoy. Ed, welcome to the Never Going Pro Podcast. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing pretty good. You know, getting some rides in and feeling good. Good. Did you get a ride in this morning? Yep. It was uh, the uh, Tuesday dirt ride. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but uh, got a little bit of, of uh, recovery, maybe just a little bit over recovery.
0: Sure. It was probably either Rolling Thunder or what's Up. It was Rolling Thunder. That's what it was. Ba- Fantastic. That was one of our early rides, which is basically uh, not too long of a ride. It would be a building ride for um, our... Uh, Cat C and D riders and probably a uh, endurance ride for B, B riders. So um, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you was uh, this week's podcast, we're going to be doing some practical training tips to make sure that you get in your time on the bike every week. And I've noticed that uh, you and Nat have uh, come up with a solution to making sure that you get um, get your rides in. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about it.
3: Well, um, so I guess, uh, Nat and I, uh, I guess got together back in November when we both first joined, um, dirt and started doing rides and races and noticed each other. And we were about the same level. So, uh, we both planned out rides for this September and he started talking to one of our other buddies about putting together a training plan. Then I kind of luckily joined in and that was roughly 12 weeks ago when we started out. So essentially came up with a 16-week plan before our events. And um, we just basically linked up on on uh, Messenger and uh, plan out our times that we ride, which is you know 4.15 to 4.45 a.m. for me, being Central Time. And for him, it's uh, between 7.15 and 7.45 p.m. In Australia. Oh, wow.
0: Um, that, yeah, that's really fascinating. And so for, for those of you that aren't super familiar with Zwift and how their training plans work, there's no real uh, way for you to do training plans together. Um, so, uh, the two of you have had to sort of adapt and overcome with some of the, um, the current training shortcomings in Zwift. So how do you piece that together? I mean, are your, uh, Numbers just so close that you can do the same intervals in the same zones without any issue.
3: It's you know, it, it, amazingly, yes. It, it's it's pretty close. So what we ended up doing is we'll uh, message message each other and uh, figure out what time we're going to start, and then we also uh, put a ZWO file together, which we usually create just on on one of the online creation tools, um, and email those back and forth. Um, And once we do that, uh, we load it in and we do, we can't even do a meetup because you can't do a meetup and a workout at the same time. So we just plan our time, pick our route and then meet on Zwift. And then we do a, a three, two, one countdown and we hit the, we unpause our workout and we start rolling.
0: I think that that is just an amazing uh, use of your resources, and then you use Discord so that you can chat in real time. That's right.
3: Yeah, gotcha. and that's that's definitely that helps with motivating each other a whole bunch.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Because I see you guys on there in the morning all the time, because I'm a lot of times jumping in, doing my own training, uh, training workouts and see you guys on there. And uh, we'll catch up and we'll shoot the bull for a little bit. Usually when you guys are not doing an interval. <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> Yeah,
3: that's definitely right.
0: Sure. So what are some of the things that you do ahead of time? to make sure that everything is ready to go because I know when that alarm goes off so early in the morning. So for you, like what time are you actually getting
3: out of bed? So I, I usually have my alarm set for three 30. Okay. And, um, I get up at three 30. I make sure my water bottles are ready, you know, and if I, if I need a gel, I'll, I'll try to pop that right away or, or eat a banana. Most of the time I just go in uh, fasted unless I know it's going to be a really, really difficult ride or a longer ride and, uh, take care of getting dressed and getting Zwift started and and all that stuff. We message each other, make sure we're both up and moving. And if we have to delay 15 minutes, one side or the other, then, then we do that. And, um, yeah, we go from there. It's, it's just a coordinate the night before and, then um make sure we're coordinated about 15, 20 minutes ahead of time and and then we hop on and, and get moving. That sounds great. So do you put your water bottles on your bike or next to your bike the night before and get your kid out the night before? I usually have my kit out and it's ready to go. Water bottles, what I'll normally do is I'll I'll get them ready and and I like them I like them chilled. So uh so I'll put them in the fridge and then as I'm going upstairs to to my family room where I have the bike set up. I just reach in the fridge and grab them and, you know, grab my phone and, and, uh, head on upstairs and make sure the, make sure all the kids' doors are closed so I don't wake them up and, uh, and go from there.
0: That's, um, that's really good stuff. And, and are you getting enough sleep? I guess that's one question that all the dads have.
3: <laughs> that, uh, that's a really good question. So, um, I, I guess it depends on who you ask. Um, I try to get as much as I can. So normally in bed by about nine thirty. Um, if you look at the required amount of sleep that we're all supposed to have, no, I'm not making it. Um, I try to take a day on the weekend and, and try to sleep in a little bit. We have two rest days normally, so okay. So I try to make up for it on those days. But I'm generally getting roughly six hours, five and a half hours of sleep every night. So. Well, and you know for some people that's enough for me
0: i i definitely i don't think I could do that um I'm usually in bed around nine fifteen or nine thirty and usually up between you know five or five thirty I have to get my eight hours of sleep and so for me, I've discovered if I don't get a night a good night's sleep, I'll just roll over, turn the alarm off and sleep in until i get uh get as much sleep as I need so you're also career military. Is that is that well, right?
3: Well, I am, I'm National Guard. Okay. So, um, so yes, I'm in in the military. Um, but being National Guard, I I go one weekend a month, two weeks a year. It's actually you know ends up being more than that. But uh, but my uh, regular day job is uh, I'm an engineer with the Corps of Engineers. Okay, gotcha. So I didn't know if some of your military
0: background got you into waking up really early in the morning. <laughs> Yes, I would say
3: it did. Okay, so gotcha. This th- this is a little bit earlier than than what I'm normally used to, but uh, yeah, normally between five, you know, five and five thirty would be a normal wake up for me anyway. Sounds good.
0: So, one last question for you: You said you're training for an event in September. Can you tell us a little
3: bit about it? So, it's really it's not a race, but it's uh, just a long uh, mountain ride. And being from Texas, people kind of give a little bit of a giggle saying mountain ride. Where's their mountains? So Texas is quite huge. There's mountains out West, uh, the Davis Mountains. Okay. And my ride is, it's a 76 mile, um, loop and it's about 4,500 feet of climbing. Wow. There's a couple ma- major climbs in there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I did it last year, but I also, last year I did it, uh, after Having been back on the bike for about a month and a half, Uh, so my goals this year are dramatically different than just surviving. Um, (laughs) Last year, that's basically what it was: is oh man, I'm at the last rest stop. Can I make it the rest of the? Sure. Well, best of
0: luck to you. You feeling? You feeling ready?
3: Oh yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know doing it this way is is so uh, motivating and and it keeps you. Um it keeps you going towards your goals when you have somebody else that's striving for a very similar event and uh and you're on there to talk to each other and get each other through the hard workouts. It's just it's great. I know I'm ready for it. Um in fact, we just had a test event this past Sunday and as you know, as it probably sounds, we're going for for our long uh our long ride. So we both increased all of our output tremendously for, for, uh, basically 60 minutes on up. We've, we've made huge strides,
0: so it's great. All right, Ed, well, it sounds like you're ready. And thanks again for joining us for the never grown pro podcast. And we will, I will probably see you one morning next week. As soon as I'm back from vacation.
3: All right. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Ed, for taking the time to let us interview you and share your story with the group. And um, we really enjoyed hearing that. Uh, again, everybody in our audience, thanks for tuning in. I'm Ken the Badger Nowell, and we look forward to seeing you next time. I know that Shane and Chris want to say a little something as we, do, as we depart for this afternoon as well.
2: So I think just to wrap those two topics up, motivation becomes discipline through proper planning. That's what Mr. Gurney, Mr. Gourney has said, excuse me. And then take it a step further motivation discipline and planning create a positive feedback loop that produces improvement i think it's a really great way to kind of marry those two um, aspects of training together and then about heart rate don't use it if you have your power that's in a nutshell because it's not a good way to base your training off of in my opinion in my experience that's it for me see you later yeah um uh, my my finished thought would be this last week i got a message from a buddy who um, had
1: said our group rides had become too competitive and too cocky and, and just not fun anymore. And so that just was a good reminder to me that like either, whether you're on uh Zwift itself or you're out with friends that if, if, if it's not fun, if it's not making your life better. Um, you need to change something up. You need to not do it. It, it, it needs to be something that raises the bar in your life. And, and again, just like Jason says, like find the fun, make it fun. And motivation, discipline and planning will all, be way easier.
0: I I agree with all the statements. Well, thanks again, everybody. And we will catch you here in a couple of weeks.